I thought maybe you could love me like you used to. Even though I'm different. But you changed too. So, here's to the new us. about the lore of League of Legends and other properties set in the Runeterran universe. I'm your host Jacob, or Skullhut Soldiers, and with me today is our returning special guest. Hey guys, it's Sage, or uh, Lore Vignier, whichever you want to call me. <laughs> Back at it again. Yep, and today we will be talking about the last act of Arcane, Act 3, as well as give a general our retrospective and our thoughts about the show as a whole and where we want to see the show go in the future. So to start off, let's continue our little summary of Arcane as a whole, starting with episode six or seven. In episode seven, we realize that the firelights uh, who captured Vi and Caitlin at the end of episode six are led by our boy Echo. We even get to see a cool uh, Firelights music video as you start the, that episode. So we know it's going to be a Firelights-centered episode. And we learn it's Echo. Echo's the leader of the Firelights. And we learn it in fantastic fashion with them taking away Vi, leaving Caitlyn all worried and fretting over what's going to happen with Vi. Uh, after they have a little spat, and then realizing it's like, why, was we, why were we fighting? We are, we're in trouble. Uh... And then Vi hugs Echo. Echo hugs her back after a little banter. And it is such a sweet moment. Echo cries. And I want to cry with Echo. Because Echo is one of my favorite uh, champions. And then we start figuring out some other little details. Such as... What were Caitlin, what were uh, Jinx's thoughts about Vi being alive for sure? And her not being told about it? Um, not great. She, um, as Silco re-arrives at his little seat of operations at the last drop, um, he's like, what else can go wrong? Jinx, then Jinx shows up, is like, hi, I'm what's wrong. And she grabs the little syringe that Silco was going to use to inject himself to help with his eye, as we've seen throughout the show. And to make it even better, we see that Silco's kind of struggling with the syringe, which in Act 1 he did not. But we, I saw in Act 2 that Jinx was the one helping him do the injections now. So it's kind of a little small little detail that's really nice to see. And basically she starts stabbing him with the syringe in all the wrong places as uh, she feels like Soko lied to her. Which he did. But Soko turns it around into we're the only ones we have for each other. You can't rely on Vi. Vi doesn't know who you really are now, and she's not going to still want to be with you once you've learned who you really are. I, however, still love you no matter what, and we will stay together strong forever. And that sort of convinces Jinx to calm down and give him the injection properly, 
and help him uh, fulfill the plan to regain the gemstone which had been taken by the Firelights in the previous episode. As we get some back and forth between Echo and Caitlyn about um, basically classism, uh, Caitlyn's still struggling to fully grasp the situation in the Undercity. She's starting to understand, but she's still blinded by her privilege. But Echo sets her straight pretty, um, pretty clearly that uh, like enforcers have done terrible harm to the city, and also Piltover has done nothing to stop Silco and his criminal empire. So yeah, it's not going great for Caitlyn's um, perspective of the world. It's basically being completely shattered, and she's having to rebuild it on the fly. Um, after seeing a big mural of all the people the Firelights have lost, we get a beautiful moment of busy vibe saying, like, Powder is still in Jinx, and Echo arguing she's not because of all the people that they've lost, and even on the mural we see Powder, as well as, like, Vander, Milo, and Clagger, and, uh, also the Firelight we saw killed in Episode 4 uh, by Jinx. And... It's kind of like puts in perspective that these years since Vi has been gone have been horrendous for the people of the Undercity. So many people have been lost, and this rising group of the Firelights, which are essentially the new movement to for like Zon independence or Undercity independence, that is healthier and better than Silco's whole whole deal. It's it's interesting to see like the sacrifices and struggles that they've had to um, to do. Um, any thoughts about the interactions between Echo and Vi or uh, Caitlin as well? Um, not really. I mean, like it was a sweet moment seeing him and Vi reunite for that moment, and him crying when she hugged him. Because <laughs> um, God, when's the last time this boy has had a hug? Really. <laughs> um, but I mean. Not a whole lot to say about it. It was good, but not really where my focus was. <laughs> right. Well, I will say I would agree with that because my focus comes on a very oncoming scene because we learn that there are other criminal leaders in the Undercity called the Chem Barons, mm -hmm. um, which I will not go into the lore behind the Chem Barons here because it is a lot to go into and we're focusing on Arcane. The, the base you need to know is they're basically, they're the other crime lords of Piltover, and they're basically a conglomerate of power. Silco is currently in the lead, the leader of them, but they basically call Silco in because they feel like um, Silco isn't really helping right now. So they call him in. Uh, it's also important to know that right now Piltover has blockaded off the Undercity. We saw that happen at the end of the previous episode. So trade between the Undercity and Piltover has essentially stopped. The only thing that has gotten through since the blockade is up was uh, Victor after leaving uh, Singed with the Vial of Shimmer uh, that Singed gave him to help him, um, not with biological experimentation on plants, but to for, Singed, for, for Victor to do it to himself. Um... Jace kind of rips into Victor about, like, why were you in the Undercity? You're causing me problems. And Victor's like, uh, I told you I was living to see a friend about our inquiry, uh, Hexcore. And Jay says the, uh, the also infamous line of, like, the people of the Undercity are dangerous. 
where Victor responds, uh, bitingly back, I'm from the Undercity. Jace tries to apologize and backpedal, but it's the damage is done, and Victor does not reveal that he has this vial of shimmer, which is very, very important. So mm -hmm. now Jace has no clue what's going on with Victor anymore. He has been cut off because of that single moment of failure. Back to Silco and the Chem Barons. Well, um, Silco, I think we all gathered at this point with Silco. Uh, he is not one to be played. He is the player every step of the way. And you do not mess with him, ever. You especially do not be like, oh, come see us now or we will do something. Um, no, Silco's like, okay, I will do something then. He comes into the room with all the Chem Barons who start complaining about the blockade, and Silco's like, uh, the 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 sheriff is doing it on my orders, and like, we don't care, we want money. And Silco's just like, I'm going to give you a little thing called perspective. And uh, either he times it right, or he purposefully, I think it's implied he, he purposefully uh, turns off the air filtration system in this little meeting room they have. You see his giant fan turn off. Tavika closes the door tightly behind them, and then begins spraying the air of the Undercity into the room. Like, probably the air in the fissures, especially, where it's just, like, the worst possible air uh, we know of, we've heard of. Like, it's really toxic. And immediately, all the campaigns begin choking. Silco does not. Because Silco is a bad A, and also, he has not forgotten his roots, and he has been in the air of the Undercity constantly, while all these chem barons are basically implied to have been living in the upper portions of the Undercity, closer to Peltover proper. And as the scene unfolds, Sigla gives a great speech about, like, where they're from, and about how, do not forget, like, I'm the one that gave you this power, I'm the one that gave you clean air, as he's passing out these little masks to help them breathe so they don't die. And in a wonderful scene, as he goes to the kind of the ringleader of this little cadre of chem barons uh, named Finn, um, who's on the ground, like, groveling, like, choking, he takes a little whiff of the clean air from the mask and then tosses it down to him as a little paltry thing. And then the fan turns back on, the air begins to clear, and Sickle heads out saying the wonderful line of, good meeting, and he walks out. I love Soko so much. He's such a great villain. He's so good. Uh, he, he's so good. That scene was fantastic. Like, yeah, there's like, I don't think there's any music in the scene, or if it is, it's very down, it's very low down. Um, and it's just Silco just doing a full-on soliloquy, essentially. And I can listen to Silco give speeches about power and dynamics all day long. It's so good. Um, he is a fantastic crime lord villain. Yes. Yes, 100%. Uh, yeah. Well, we finally get back to the um, the kind of whole Echo and Caitlyn and Vi situation. They all realize they need to get the gemstone to the council in Piltover because it will first off clear the name of the Firelights who have kind of been uh, implicated in the attacks by Jinx. Um, we all know this is not true, but Silco's been setting it up to blame the Firelights. And the Firelights was like, yeah, we didn't do this, though. Um, and so they decide we're going to go to the council with the gemstone to hopefully calm things back down and maybe begin the process of healing between uh, Piltover and the Undercity. 
Well, as they start figuring this out with Echo saying, I, uh, I will go along with this if I'm the one to give the gemstone, which they agree, that makes sense. That's fine, you can do that. As they're figuring all that out, we go back to Victor and Jace and Mel in their little um, a trio, trio of drama, where Victor is trying to work on this uh, jinx grenade, and as he's working on it, he realizes it's masterfully crafted, if crude in shape, and the reason he's working on it instead of, say, Jace, uh, Jace tried to, and he nearly killed him, so he gave it to Victor. Uh, as well as we, when we, we hear Jace talk about how Degrini nearly killed him with Mel, um, he's showing off how muscular he is as he's working in the forge, which makes sense. His family are all about forging hammers and stuff, so it makes sense that Jace would kind of use forging as a way to cool off after some bad things have gone down, like mm -hmm. with Heimerdinger being kicked out of the council in the previous episode under Jace's kind of command. So, yeah, all, that all makes sense. Um, also, seeing shirtless Jace is, just, uh, is, a, is a treat for many people. Um, yeah, it's nice to see. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but as Mel and Jace are talking kind of over Victor, as Victor is working on this bomb, Mel kind of implies, like, maybe we should make Hextech weapons to defend ourselves from the Undercity. Jace and Victor are both like, uh, no, we were wanting to do this to protect people, to, like, help people, not to make weapons. And Mel's just like, well, which, well what else are we going to do? We're being attacked by the Undercity in her mind, and therefore they need weapons to defend themselves. And then she walks off. Victor scoffs at the whole thing. Jace, meanwhile, feels kind of conflicted. He feels like maybe he will have to greenlight the creation of Hextech weapons. Victor is clearly upset over this, and it just further divides them, where uh, Victor, because he's so upset, nearly sets off the grenade. Fortunately, he disarms it before it goes off. But this shows that what we've been established as Victor and Jace having a fairly cooperative and healthy partnership are drifting apart. Um, first, having been driven by Mel, kind of wedging herself in between them, and now we're seeing they're drifting apart because Vic, uh, Jace is buying into the Piltoverian propaganda about the Undercity, essentially. And it's just all going bad for it's all going bad for Jace and Victor. <laughs> um, this eventually leads to Victor using that little shimmer vowel he was given by Singed. To um, try to repair his leg and maybe heal himself by carving runes into his flesh, as well as his uh, prosthetic leg, uh, 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 not prosthetic leg, um, uh, like leg cast essentially, um, and then he carves it into the metal of that as well as his own skin. Um, now the great time, and he injects a shimmer, touches the hex core, and we'll see what happens with that in the next episode. As all that's going down, we cut back to Echo and Jace, not Echo, Jess, Echo, Bai, and Caitlin going across the bridge trying to give the gemstone to the council. As they're going across, we get a very sweet moment where they're like close to halfway across and, and Bai realizes she can't go with them. She needs to go back to the Undercity to find uh, Powder. Uh, and... Caitlyn and, like, Echo and Vi, like, exchange, like, goodbyes. Caitlyn and Vi hug very tightly. It's a very close embrace. Uh, 
Un- very cute. Yeah, very cute. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jinx is watching all this go down. And um, because of her mental instability that has been building and building, um, she uh, views it as a moment of Vi maybe trying to replace her with Caitlyn. She eventually like is able to fight it off because she's like, it's just a goodbye hug. It's nothing, there's nothing really there. She's able to fight it off and stay um, in the moment and stable for now. This will not last. Because as they part ways and Caitlyn and Echo uh, head towards the city, they did not know about the blockade. They've been kind of busy. And as they reach the blockade, our lovely Sheriff Marcus is there to greet them. And as they're like, hey, we have the gemstone, we need to give it to the council. And Marcus is like, the gemstone? The thing that Silco wants? Hmm. Uh, let me see the gemstone. Echo is hesitant to do so. Caitlin's just like, come on, you gotta show him. Echo shows him, and then gets shot. <laughs> um, luckily, Echo's fine. He has he has body armor, but yikes. And the moment the... Yeah. Yeah. And the moment the gunshot goes off, Vi immediately books it back to Caitlin Echo, um, kind of forgetting to call out Echo's name and only calling out Caitlin's name. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah, which is kind of funny to think about. It's like, oh, my childhood friend, uh, like they're fine. I'm more worried about the girl I just met, who I'm falling in love with. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of funny little detail. Um, but as she runs back, Jinx fully is just like, Vi's replacing me. Like she's running back to Caitlyn immediately. Ah, and the the like the voices of the the hauntings of her of her mind, like, with my, the, my, the voices of Milo and Calagras, but especially Milo, um, like, get to her, and she is fully furious with Vi. And then we get a great standoff moment where Marcus seems he's about, like he's about to shoot Caitlyn, but he's hesitating a bit because I can't shoot a fellow Pilty. I'm like, mm. Like, oh, it's fine to shoot Echo, uh, this other kid, this other, like, barely adult, uh, but Caitlyn, oh, I can't do that. Like, she, she's... Uh, she's one of us. Oh, this is... I don't know if I want to shoot her. I, I have no sympathy for Marcus in this moment. Um, Marcus does all to himself. And yep. that's when, as no Vi is running up towards Caitlyn, we get this beautiful scene of all these green lights, which we heard earlier were, the fire, were what firelights are. They're basically like green fireflies. But then we realize those aren't firelights like, coming out behind uh, Vi. It's, um... It's bombs! Lots of butterfly bombs. And they go off. And it is brutal. Every single enforcer on that bridge, dead. Marcus, dead. Caitlyn, very hurt in her leg. Vi, barely missed getting hit by anything. Echo was fortunately already on the ground. So he was not hit by the explosion. But it is bad times all around. And then we get the wonderful shot of Jinx walking out of the smoke. Uh, she executes an enforcer who's still barely alive, all while humming the same song that she was singing in the very first episode at the very beginning of Arcane. Great little callback to that moment. It was the same song she sang mm-hmm. last time she was on this very bridge. Very good moment. And then she um, she sees by helping pick uh, helping Caitlyn get back to her feet, uh, fully freaks out and shoots at them. Uh, Caitlyn, uh, this is a, a cool little detail. We actually see Caitlyn kind of try to 
tackle Vi um, out of the way, but Vi is stronger and also was more ready and shoves Caitlyn in the opposite direction so that they get separated away from the bullets. And then we get the awesome shot in slow motion of Echo coming out of the light, riding his freaking hoverboard, pipe in hand, and he flies through, smacks Jinx, knocking her fire away. Then he grabs a little container that has a gemstone in it, tosses it to Caitlyn and Vi, and is like, go, get out of here. And then we get the best scene in this episode, and one of the best scenes in the entire show, Echo and Jinx's standoff. We get this amazing song, like, building up as they kind of square off against each other. Echo making sure that Jinx cannot get to Caitlyn and Vi. Then just looking at each other. Then Echo starts swinging his little stopwatches he's had since since the first time we saw him as a fire as the firelight leader. And he starts swinging it. Jinx starts laughing and then squares up herself. And then we get this beautiful transition of Jinx turning back into young powder. And then we see Echo turn back into young Echo. And it all transitions into a childhood game that two had. And then we get this beautiful moment where he hits the stopwatch. And it all changes art style. Like, that's like the best way I can describe it. It changes art style to this kind of scratchy, lower frame weight great super artsy style as echo starts charging towards jinx jinx is shooting he's transitioning between their kid selves and their adult selves where jinx is sh- where powder is shooting these little globlets like little paint like basically paintballs uh why, but then transitioning to bullets from jinx's gun we get echo like trying to dodge and dip and dive and roll out of the way of all these oncoming bullets while baby echo is just like woo i'm having fun and then echo gets hit a child echo gets hit by a paintball and the game is over he lost the game he throws a stopwatch on the ground and then it all goes backwards it reverses in time back to where echo initially hit the stopwatch and then we see it play live with no music just just the sound of their movements and shooting and Echo's dodging but this time Echo does not get hit because he is older and he only lost as a kid but now he's learned and he beats the ever loving hell out of Jinx like he beats her bloody it is brutal it is such a brutal scene as we just saw them as kids playing this game and then we see what they've become due to Silco and Piltover and just everything, it has turned these childhood friends into bitter enemies. And then we see this great moment. Some people might seem as a trope where Echo kind of hesitates before like doing another maybe finishing punch on Jinx. But it's not because it's not he's hesitating because like, oh it's my childhood friend. It's because Vi this entire episode has been saying powder is still in there. And then he sees it. He sees powder in Jinx's eyes. Because Jinx mm-hmm. actually kind of stops fighting back as she also sees her childhood friend in Echo. And it's this great scene where they're just there, just this sad silence with this slight sad melody in the background. And then Jinx reveals that she has a grenade in hand and she lets it go and the grenade goes off. I... 
I cannot put into words how beautiful that whole sequence is. Oh, it's Beyond, behind gorgeous. what I just described. It, describing is so hard. It is such a beautiful scene. Uh, sounds like you were going to say something. Oh, I was just saying that it's really great. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> scene. It's beautiful in every way. And then we get the... That's kind of the end of the episode. That's the end of episode mm-hmm. six. And now we're moving... No, episode seven, sorry. And now we're moving on straight to episode eight, which basically picks up right after the the, bomb, the grenade goes off. And everything's gone to hell. Like, Vi and Caitlyn finally get to the other side of the bridge. Silco is running up with his goons to a still-alive jinx. She's barely alive, but she's alive. Having blown up, like, right next to her grenade. The grenade gone off, and it's a miracle she's still alive. We don't know where Echo is. We hope he's alive, but we don't know right now. And we just see this great moment where more enforcers are running into the scene, um, preventing, once again, Vi from running to her sister. And then we see this great scene where Vi looks at Silco, and Silco looks back at Vi, holding Jinx, and he takes Jinx away. And once again, Vi lost her sister. Again! And there was nothing she could do. Again! <laughs> it's brutal! Ah! Oh. And then we see that Soko is taking Jinx to Singe to hopefully save her life. We'll cover that scene in a moment. Because after uh, the whole bomb explosion and all that stuff, we get um, a bit of a time jump where it's now morning. Because all this took place at night. And in the morning, uh, Jay sees the aftermath of the uh, butterfly bombs and immediately throws up. Yep. Because he, <laughs> Don't blame him. Yeah, do not blame him at all. He has never seen violence of this scale. And seeing so many dead people that he had ordered to be there at that bridge that night. Remember that? He's the one that ordered the blockade in the first place. Under Marcus's mm-hmm. direction, but still. Just... Ah, uh, that's such a good moment. And even Mel looks kind of like, oh, Lord. Um, speaking of Mel, we actually learn a bit more about Mel. Um, at the beginning of the episode, we see Mel's background a little bit. We see this great scene where it seems, uh, it's a bit unclear like how long in the past this was, but she looks kind of very, very young, like maybe like halfway between Powder and Vi's original age in Act 1, like around like maybe... 12 or 13 or so for her. Um, it's a bit unclear, but it's ar- yeah, around somewhere that around there. Um, and she is talking to what seems to be someone, um, seems like maybe it's her, it's her mother. Uh, it's, we're still not entirely sure yet, but it seems to be her mother. And we get this great conversation about wolves and foxes, about how um, Noxians are, are wolves and they... Uh, are not afraid to kill to pre- to preserve uh, what they believe is order, um, while uh, foxes are more cunning. And they make a great conversation about like how Mel's brother views himself as uh, as a fox when he should be a wolf and stuff like that. Um, um, no, she specifically says you have to be a fox and a yes, wolf. Yes, she does say she does clarify that. She does say like my point is like when she's talking about the brother, she's like he. 
he views himself as a fox instead of a wolf, but she says you have to be both. It's kind of like what she's yeah. trying to get at. Um, and I think Mel actually says a... She meant... I don't think she says it directly, but she kind of implies the old adage of uh, war is the failure of statecraft. Uh, she, kind of, mm. she kind of implies that. And we see who is the last child of what seems to have been a, the monarchy of this small kingdom that Noxus has taken over. And Mel's mom, like, who assume is her mom, uh, ask her, like, what should we do with this last heir? Like, what should we do? Mel says, let her go. She's not a problem. Like, just take away all her power, and she's harmless. Um, Mel's mom thinks differently, and she's like, uh, no. You have to kill her now. And she says, the reason you have to kill her now is if she lives, one, like, if you kill her now, only one person must die. But if she lives, Thousands may have to die if she does start a rebellion against Noxus. So it's one of those arguments of the the like the greater number of people, essentially, like uh, the greater good and the many out the lives of the many uh, outweigh the lives of the few. Essentially, that's her argument. Um, that the potential of her rebelling with an army is too great for them not to kill her. And it scars Mel forever, basically. <laughs> Seeing just this, this, yeah. this other similarly aged kid get her head chopped off. Like, this show has a thing about killing kids. I'll just say that. This is like the fourth, this is like the third or fourth kid we've seen die. So, just saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, as all of that is going down, um,. Like, we get the whole background with Mel, and we start learning more about Mel as she's now kind of trying to comfort Jace, as Jace is like, ah. Um, Jace also realizes he may have to do something. Like, this kind of tips Jace over the edge a little bit, because um, earlier, uh, at the end of the previous episode, he kind of has a whole thing where he says, like, I may have to do something I never thought I would, implying the creation of Hextech weapons, which he never thought he would have to do. Mm-hmm. And now he's seeing this like there's more impetus for him to do that now. He's seeing more people dead by, in his mind, Undercity hands, which he's not wrong because Jinx is from the Undercity, but he's viewing it as a holistic thing. Like the Undercity is out for us when it's really just Jinx and Selko. So you kind of see what's going on here. Like Piltover is more and more just grouping the criminal violent elements with the entirety of the Undercity. Uh, when we know the Undercity is not all that with, like, the Firelights. And then we get um, a very fun scene where Kaylin sneaks by into her home. Specifically into her bedroom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Vi's a bit confused at first because she's like, is this another counselor friend of yours place? <laughs> Because uh, <laughs> at this point, I don't think she knows Caitlyn is rich. Yeah, she doesn't realize Caitlyn, how rich Caitlyn is. She knows she is rich, she doesn't realize how rich. Um, and then Caitlyn's mom just busts through the door, gun out. <laughs> Which is this great <laughs> moment of, like, deer calling headlights for Vi and Kate. <laughs> and, but I, the moment after uh, the mom realizes, like, oh, it's Caitlyn, um, the dad comes in, they kind of comfort Caitlyn. Uh, Caitlin's like, hey, this is Vi, she's from the Undercity, 
Caitlyn's mom's just kind of like, I see. Like, maybe this is not the first time Caitlyn snuck a girl into her room. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to have a talk. As they're talking, we get this interesting interaction where Caitlyn basically tells it how it is. That the Undercity has been mistreated by Piltover forever. And she has now seen it firsthand, and she has now become an advocate for the Undercity. Like, full-on advocate. She's like, the Undercity deserves respect. They deserve our help. And we are doing nothing. What the heck, Mom? You're on the council. What are you doing? <laughs> and after some back and forth, uh, where Caitlin's, da- Caitlin's dad actually kind of stands up for her, Caitlin's mom actually acquiesces. It's like, alright, I will get you and your possible girlfriend a audience with the council. And it was like a pretty shocking moment. I was not expecting Caitlin's mom to actually go on her side in the end, but she did. Which, nice. Nice character development on Caitlin's mom's part, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, finally listening to her daughter when her ca- daughter wants. Like, good on you, Caitlin's mom. And then we get, uh, well, we get Soko and Jinx in Singe's uh, little a laboratory where Soko's like, save, save my daughter. And and Sinjo's like, I can save her, but it's not going to be pretty. And Soko's just like, that's fine, just save my daughter. And Soko's like, okay. And then takes a syringe, which looks like he's going to give to, to like Jinx to like maybe sedate her. And say he sedates Silco. <laughs> so it's Silco amazing. can't stop him. <laughs> <laughs> because as Singe said, he's going to do awful things to Jinx to save her life. Mm-hmm. And it's just brutal. So we get that. And as we go from that, we also see that um, a, a little a character that we kind of haven't seen in a bit is back. Heimerdinger. Heimerdinger is in the Undercity, and he's actually seeing what he's missed for 300 years. What he has allowed under his watch. Because that was like the big critique that Jace points at Heimerdinger about. And he was right. And Heimerdinger realized Jace was right. He has lost touch with the people, of, with all the people of Piltover, including the people of the Undercity. Mm-hmm. And as he's going around, he sees people like kind of shy away from him or like beg for for money or anything. And Heimerdinger realized he effed up. Like there's this great moment where this kid comes up to him, hands him like scraps, like scrap metal, and he takes a scrap metal, does a little magic trick, and pulls out a little top. And he shows how the top works to the kid, and it makes the kid smile. And Heimerdinger's like, yes, I can still bring joy to people with my creations, only for the girl to immediately be ripped away by her mother, saying, stay away from my daughter. And it's just a great eye-opening moment for Heimerdinger to realize he's messed up. He let the Undercity get this bad. This is his fault. Like, it's a council as a whole's fault in general, but Heimerdinger especially is at fault here. Not out of active maliciousness or malevolence, but just out of ignorance. You can have good intentions, but if you're ignorant to the plight of everyone under your purview, you failed. Like, you failed as a leader. When you're Mm -hmm. a leader of a city, like Heimerdinger basically was, everyone under you, you are the person, like, in charge of making sure everyone's okay. And he failed. 
Like that's just straight up. He failed. So it's yep. a great, a great moment for him to realize like how much he's failed by. Uh, and as he leaves the Undercity, like he's like, I don't know what to do now. Like I failed. Like how do I help now? I'm not even on the council anymore. What do I do? Which is when he runs into Echo, who's alive. Yay! He's good. He just has a probably broken leg, um, <laughs> or at least very badly uh, sprained ankle. Um, like we just know his, his leg is all effed up. And uh, they meet as Heimerdinger's talking about the ingenious design of uh, Echo's hoverboard. Um, and there's a great moment where he's like, "These propellers aren't aren't right. This these these aren't rightly like calibrated or whatever." And Echo's like, "Yes, they are for the air in the fissures, which is thicker." So it's a great little moment of Heimerdinger once again being reminded he doesn't understand the Undercity as well as he should, and Echo being as like. Hey, fellow inventor here, I'm right. And Heimerdinger be like, yeah, you are. And <laughs> it's at that moment that Heimerdinger decides to help Echo return to the Firelights. And this great little, yes, Heimerdinger and Echo time. Woo! Let's get this team up going on. <laughs> um, and as that happens, we return to, like, poor Jinx kind of being tortured. <laughs> um, yeah. By, uh... by Singed. <laughs> It is brutal. Yeah. And what makes it worse is um, she's kind of hallucinating through the whole thing. Um, And from her perspective, it kind of goes in and out. Uh, But for a lot of it, it looks like Caitlin and Vi are the ones torturing her. Yeah, it is just so, so brutal. It is... God, it's... Mm. It's a very hard scene to watch, in all honesty. It is very hard to It watch. really is. But it's necessary. We need to see, like, what's going on, and it's a great moment to realize, oh no, Jinx's already unstable mental condition is going to be way worse now. Mm-hmm. Like, we already know she was unstable and needed help, and not only has she not gotten the help she needed to, like, heal her mental state and heal from her mental trauma, but now it's been amped up to 11. Like, her... I hate to say this, but her sanity is fracturing. Like, fully. In this moment. And it is horrendous to see. Um, it's, Jinx's entire thing is tragedy at this point. It's tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we see that going on, we see um, we see, we see Savika, um, Silka's right-hand gal, uh, making a, a new arm for herself. So now we know she made her original arm before Jinx effed it up. Jinx and Caitlyn effed it up. And now she's making herself a new one. One that won't be as vulnerable as her previous. Even adding in a freaking sword function that shoots out of the arm. Which is awesome. It's so good. It's so good. And even changing up like the shimmer delivery system. Instead of being like a little vial on the top of the shoulder. To being like little canister she shoots into the her forearm essentially. To power it. Which is very cool. Like, give it a, sort of a pseudo shot. Like shotgun kind of vibe, as she, like, cocks it open to put in the cartridges. It's very cool. But as she's, like, doing this work on her arm, um, Finn shows up, that a-hole leader of the Kembaran little cadre. And he's just like, hey, I hear that you're kind of the girl to go to to get things done. Um, I hear that you may not be happy with the whole situation between, um, 
Silco and Jinx, and how Silco is handling things with Jinx, and Silco's handling of everything in general. And Savika's just like, yeah, yeah, keep mouthing off, guy. But as he's talking, Savika kind of looks like she may be listening a bit. And essentially, Finn is, is planning a coup. This is essentially what he's doing. He's planning a coup to, to take out um, Silco and take power for himself. And we get this great moment where Savika has like a little cigar, like a cigarette in her mouth, and Finn lights it up for her. Like, literally, he positions the lighter just out of reach, so Savika would have to lean in to get the light, which just shows a great little dynamic there to show that Savika is listening to Finn in this moment. Very good moment. Mm-hmm. This show is a, is a masterclass in visual storytelling. It is so good. Um, I think it's also, like, meant to indicate, like, you know, it's literally him offering her his hand and her accepting it. Yeah, it, it very much is a kind of visual metaphor in that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, we go from that to um, Caitlin and Vi making their case to the council. And we get this great scene where as they're talking to the council and being just like, yo, this is all effed up. What should we do? And basically they explain the situation. is like, hey, Silk is behind all the crime that's been happening. Um, and with Caitlin hesitating to say who's responsible for the bomb and the bombings, Vi's the one that actually says it's Jinx. Vi's mm-hmm. Like, there's this great moment where, like, Caitlyn, like, kind of um, grabs Vi's hand, is, like, holding Vi's hand. Uh, once again, more evidence they're totally girlfriends. And oh, yeah. um, she looks, she hesitates because she doesn't want to betray Vi. But Vi squeezes her hand and then speaks up that it is Jinx who is responsible. And it's just a great scene of basically them calling out the council for doing nothing to help the Undercity. And. Then Vi calls out, it's like, hey, you gotta do something. You need to take out Silco. Silco's the one behind all this. You need to take him out. And the council's just like, oh, I don't know about that. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, you see, earlier in the episode, uh, Mel's mom actually shows up. <laughs> mm-hmm. She has arrived, and she is amazing. She has this massive presence. She just fills... She literally fills the frame whenever she's in it. She's so good. Um, and she even gets, like, a boy toy. Like, it's it's so, so fantastic after having a little conversation with Mel about the situation in Piltover and how mm-hmm. all the eyes of the world are watching the situation in Piltover. So it's like, there is more going on out, outside of Piltover and is putting pressure on Mel in particular. Things are getting bad. Like, if... if Basically, if Peltover doesn't handle their garbage, the world will handle their garbage for them, and that will be good for yep. no one. Especially Noxus, if Noxus gets involved. Which, Noxus is looking to wanting to get involved, with uh, Mel's mom being the one to, like, suggest that. Well, after Mel's mom goes off with the boy toy, we get this great scene where she is basically in a in a spa, getting a, a, t- a deep tissue massage, uh, by um, the guy she's kind of hanging out with, because why not? As she says, she's, mm. she's sampling the local cuisine, as she says. <laughs> yep. It's uh, great. It's so good. And we get this beautiful uh, scene where Ashy's in this um, like hot spring or spa. Uh, Jace shows up, and he's like, oh, you're 
kind of you're you're naked, which also lots of random not random but lots of strategic uses of nudity in the show i have discovered mm-hmm. it's, it's, very, it's very tasteful too they do a good job of not showing too much uh, oh but, yeah but, and in, but implying also, enough when necessary mm-hmm. and also just such a power move she so, knew what she was doing oh she knew exactly what she's doing she just gives this big speech about a general who talked about like um how the the mind behind the body um and all this stuff, like basically talking about how you need to take action before you're taken by surprise by something you're not ready for, essentially. Um, it's basically a conversation about being prepared to do what's necessary. And what Mel's mom thinks is necessary is to violently put down the Undercity. Like, full-blown military conquest of the Undercity and, and take it out as violently as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, as we saw earlier, in Mel's mom's mind, uh, the the most direct violence can solve future potential violence, in her mind. Um, it's that same situation in her mind, just like all those years ago with her daughter, with the, um, the last heir to the throne of that kingdom. Exact same situation in Mel's mom's eyes. And you get this great moment where she steps out of the spa, like, water falling off of her tastefully. Um, Mm -hmm. But also accentuating, like, being honest. They they know what they were doing. They're they're very much saying, this is an older woman who is powerful and knows what she is and know how she looks, and she's using everything to her advantage. Mm -hmm. She has battle scars and muscle for days. Like, oh, it's so good. This is a warrior woman to the core, and I love it. And as she's approaching Jace to give her last bit of advice, uh, we get this great shot as she's approaching him of this mural in the background with all these soldiers with spears pointing, and they're all pointing at Jace. Very nice visual touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get Mel's mom uh, coming up and um, telling him one last piece of advice about the general she was talking about earlier. was like, you need to do something now about your problem in the Undercity, or I would hate to see you um, fall, get the same fate as the general I was talking about, being slaughtered with your eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, such a good, such a good line. So with that context in mind, we return back to the scene in the council chamber, where Jace begins talking very warmongery, like basically, like we need to do something now. We need to. Take Altsuko now. We need to make weapons. And Mel, who had suggested weapons in the first place, recognizes that this is not from her suggestion anymore. Like, Mel actually started backing off a bit on the whole weapon talk. Because she realized, like, oh, this could end badly. You can't unmake weapons. Um, and um, and she's, rec- she's recognizing that what Jace is saying is definitely what, what her mother would say in this moment, too. So mm-hmm. she realizes that her mom has now gotten her claws into Jace. And Mel's not happy about that. At all. She and her mom do not get along. And as that talk goes on, eventually it's just, basically Council decides to do nothing. And Vi is fed up. She's like, what the heck do you mean do nothing? Soko is destroying the Undercity. He will try to destroy you. Why, and you're saying, we'll do nothing? 
like it, it just boggles her mind. And so she storms out. Um, and uh, Caitlin's mom actually gives a little subtle nod to Caitlin's like, yeah, go after her, which nice little mother daughter moment. And Caitlin mm-hmm. goes after Vi, which leads to this heartbreaking scene where um, they're in the rain and Vi is leaving and Caitlin's like, wait up. And Vi's like, no, I gotta go. And then Caitlin says, we can still do this together. And Vi's like, no, we can't. And then Caitlin's like, well, what about us? And Vi says, never meant to be oil and water. I'm crying. Caitlin's all basically crying in the rain. Ah. No, Caitlin does cry. Yeah. And then <laughs> and Vi says, like, um, never meant to be and to tr- just forget her. And she walks off. Ah! Uh, <laughs> the drama. It's so good. And then uh, we go from drama to probably one of the most beautiful sequences in the entire show. Victor has a repaired leg. And we're returning mm-hmm. back to Victor now. Victor's leg has been repaired. It's all like purpley and kind of mechanical looking. Uh, speaking to a potential future for Victor. Um, and then he drops his cane and runs on the bridge. And it is a beautiful sequence of of him walking and then running without a cane for the first time in his entire life. He's never been able to run before. And now not only mm-hmm. is he, he running, we see in the background, we actually see the ship, uh, which if you recall from episode six, we saw that... Um, Victor had made the little steamboat kind of thing, and that was one of his first inventions. And he was not able to keep up with it. But now, as he's running with his repaired leg, he outruns a boat in the background. He's finally succeeded in not only catching up, but but outpacing what he always wanted to do. And it's like, ah! It's just a beautiful scene. He screams, and mm-hmm. ah! I'm not crying, you're crying. Uh, it's such a good scene. Uh, very emotional. And then we cut to um, him trying to uh, do more hex core um, mutation on himself to fix the rest of his body. Only he's out of shimmer. That's a problem. Yeah. He has, he's out of the shimmer. I'm the special shimmer that, that uh, Singe gave him. So he's like, uh, F it, I'm just going to carve more runes to myself and just... Um, just go for it. As he's setting himself up to do this, we see Sky, his assistant, who is very much tra- like practicing and failing and trying again to pre- prepare to say pretty much a confession for her, mm-hmm. her feelings towards Victor, only for her to bust into the room with Victor screaming in agony as magic is flying all over the place, Papers, wind, he looks in excruciating pain. And she, of course, not knowing what's going on, runs over to save him. That doesn't go very well. No. And in a brutally tragic moment, Victor sees Sky trying to save him, and then she turns to dust. Oh. Yeah. And then the hex core explodes. Uh, it's the hex core is still fine. It just makes a big explosion of energy and knocks Victor out. And I, 
I kid you not, that scene nearly broke me. Just seeing that that happen to poor Victor. Awful. It is so brutal. Um, Now, there there is some criticism you can say for Sky Dime, because he kind of barely knew her. And there are arguments, I've seen arguments that it is a form of fridging, which I can see that. But the scene for me worked. Um, Whether or not that means they should have killed Sky in the way they did without giving her more stuff to do and more independence. That's that's kind of up in the air. They only had nine episodes to work with. I'm not sure if they could have gotten more. We just don't know. So yeah, like I would have at least of... yeah. Go ahead. Like oh, I was just gonna say I would have at least liked to see what she had been working on. Yeah, because she's talking about she's Cause... working on something. Yeah. Yeah, like her whole thing was like going to Victor to get his help with the project and like also confess her love to him. <laughs> um, but we never really found out what she was working on. So... We kind of get implied later in the next episode, because uh, Victor looks through her notes later, and uh, we actually see some little like sketches and stuff. It looks like she was trying to um, help him with X-Core. Oh, okay. Because it sounded like it was something different, but like semi-related, so I was, I was always a little confused by that. But okay, we'll get to that later then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems X-Core related in some way. Um, but... After that brutal scene, we uh, then see um, Vi um, goes to Jace. And just like, yo, yo, Jace, uh, you're the only one in the room, in my mind, talking sense. Because you actually wanted to do something. Let's do something. You know these cool <laughs> robot gaunt- like robot hextech gauntlets you, you introduce in the, in the second act? Uh, these look really good for punching things. I'm going to take these. Um, and as you're doing that, uh, Jace is actually creating his, um, in the game, he has this transforming cannon hammer kind of deal, and he's making it in the scene. So, he is making a Hextech weapon. And then Vise is like, here's the plan. Let's hit Silco's shimmer operation fast and hard. We take that out, and Silco's empire crumbles. Which, in theory, is a good plan. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Take out what's giving Silco so much power on the Undercity, and Silco will lose power. Makes sense. Um, and so they team up. And with Enforcers in tow, they storm a Shimmer Factory. Which we quickly realize, while is mostly seems to be run by, like, adults, um, there's a kid there. Yeah, that's not a good sign. A kid working mm-hmm. in a drug factory? Mm, yikes. Um, and as they seem to be locking down the place with no problems, the kid hits the alarm, and these massive hulking suits with shimmer-infused people inside come charging out and rip through the enforcers like a knife through toilet paper. Like, it is brutal to watch. They are so fast and scary. Mm-hmm. And then all the enforcer, virtually all the enforcers that Jay's brought with him, or at least they're in the immediate vicinity, are all gone. And he's kind of on his lonesome as these, uh, we know them as in-game, uh, they're the cur- Turbo Chem Tank. Uh, it's an item, and it looks like those guys, so that's what they are, Turbo Chem Tanks. And they look to try to take out Jace, only for Vi to show up in brilliant fashion, shatter one of these guys' heads into pieces, and... We now get to finally see Vi using those cool as F gauntlets to fight her signature weapon in game. 
Oh, it's so good to see it finally happen. And Chase with his signature weapon, the transforming hammer. Uh, and they go to town. And we actually see that um, Jace does not fight very elegantly. Like, he kind of just kind of swings the hammer around as a blacksmith would. Because he doesn't mm. know how to fight. So, yeah, he kind of just swings and hopes for the best. Yeah, which makes sense. And we even see the only reason it works and he doesn't get slaughtered is because that hammer is OP. Mm -hmm. That hammer just blows things away like no one's ever seen, showing how dangerous Hextech can be when weaponized. Like, it is insanely dangerous and deadly when weaponized. Um, and also it shows that Chemtech, which is what the Undersea's been using, using Shimmer, can't compete mm -hmm. against Hextech directly. Like, we literally see in action, we see these chemically enhanced with suits, guys fighting, and they get slaughtered by Vi and Jace. Just two people, only one of which actually knows how to fight properly, and they take them all out. Like, every last one of them gets taken out by two people with Hextech weapons. Mm-hmm. Like, just putting that in perspective, like, that's just how how big the gap is in technology between Piltover and the Undercity. Yeah. So, mm. And then Jace turns his hammer into a cannon, begins blasting away. We get epic music playing in the background. We even get to hear their sound effects from their in-game abilities going off. It is awesome. It's rad. We're like, yeah! You fire that cannon, Jason! Oh, oh, oh no, you hit the kid. Mm-hmm. That kid... Maybe that kid will be... Oh, no, the kid's now falling to his death. Oh, oh. And he just hit the ground. That kid's very dead. Yeah. And then we get this quiet moment where um, Jace and Vi head to the bottom of the Shimmer facility where the kid had fallen to. And the kid, like, apparently is, like, still barely alive. And then he just... And then Somehow. he dies as Jace looks at him. Yeah, it's kind of weird the kid's still alive at this point, but whatever, dramatic tension. As uh, the kid dies before Jace's eyes. And it was Jace's fault. Jace specifically killed this kid. Mm-hmm. And it is in that moment, Jace realizes maybe war between Piltover and Undercity is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just a little bit, because we even see him look up, and he realizes that we thought at first, like, maybe only one kid was in the factory. No. The kid, the entire factory is being run mostly by kids. Mm hmm And we see all these Undercity Zonite kids just staring down at Jace the Child Murderer. <laughs> yeah. And they look rightly terrified. Mm-hmm. As they're all, like, being held, like, at gunpoint by enforcers. Mm-hmm. Or close to gunpoint. It's... Mm, great scene. And that's basically episode eight. Like, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff goes down, and it ends brutally. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about episode eight before we go to episode nine? Not really, because I kind of wanted to get into episode 9. <laughs> I had a feeling. Because episode 9, yeah, guys, episode 9, in my opinion, is the best episode in the entire series. Like, I fucking love episode 9. <laughs> so let's get into episode 9. Episode 9, okay, 
let's just start from the beginning. Episode 9 begins with us back in the Shimmer Factory. And Jace just begins like, I killed a kid. And Vi being like, yeah, you killed a kid. That's not the first one you allowed to die. And she does not let Jace get away with just be like, I killed a kid. What was me? She's like, get over yourself. You and all the other people on the council and all, even just the members of Piltover who have done nothing have let kids of the Undercity die in droves. Mm-hmm. And now you're upset just because you finally killed a kid by your own hands? Yeah. Um, he, he says something along the lines of like, oh, I'm a part of this now. Oh my God. Like what, what happened? And she just tells him you've always been part of it, but now you have to look it in the eyes. Great, great call out moment. Just mm, so good. Mm -hmm. And then, and then Jace is like, we're done. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not getting any more kids, kids killed. And Vice is like, uh, this is just one factory. We have like, Many more to go to take down Silco. And and <laughs> he's just like, oh heck no, I'm done. I am I am done. I do not want to see kids die before my eyes. Thank you. And Vice is mm-hmm. like, you you little coward. <laughs> <laughs> and um she's like, find it, I'll do it myself, and and I'm keeping these gauntlets. Jace is like, heck no, you're not, and Vi's like, try me. They kind of do a little standoff. We all know Vi would kick Jace's butt in a heartbeat. And Jace backs mm-hmm. down. It's very cool because we, just, um, we see like the surrounding enforcers like kind of look over like, uh. <laughs> yeah, so we get that. And Vi leaves. And Jace is like, ah. Uh. Actually, Vi walks off. She doesn't leave no, the facility. No, she doesn't. Jace walks off. That's right. Jace walks off. And then Vi yes. uh, punches the the main like shimmer uh, dispensary thing and takes it out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right after she does that, we cut straight to Silco now in his destroyed factory, just being just like, "Huh, I'm actually impressed. The Pilties have a backbone, apparently." <laughs> and um, as he's thinking about that, uh, one of the Gambarons is like, "What are you talking about? What? Why are you talking like?" Oh, the Pilto finally has a backbone, apparently. My kid's dead! And it turns out the, the kid who died is hers. Um, and mm-hmm. Silco's just like, well, at least be happy that your son died for the cause. And she's having none of it. And Silco's having none of her. And she's like, Savika, do something with the body. I don't care. I got stuff to do. <laughs> and so he leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, leading to a great moment where Finn is just looking at Savika, flipping his little lighter up and down. It's been just like, so still want to stick with, um, still want to stick with Silco, huh, Savika? This is a great little eye moment. Like no words are exchanged, just mm-hmm. the look, and it's so good. Uh, and then we um, we uh, return to freaking. Ah, poor Victor. Poor Victor. Victor. We, Victor reads through, um, Sky's notes and sees, like, all her praise for Victor and all her thoughts about Victor. And also we see on the side, like, like, maybe it's diagrams about the Hex Core, like, maybe she was coming up with a plan to use the Hex Core in a helpful way. 
just ah. Mm-hmm. It was literally like, oh, your your work has inspired me, and I know I can't do as much as you, but I have to try. It's just a great moment, and I've seen some people imply that uh, this is a. Oh, like, oh, he could have had a relationship with her, which I didn't get that myself. I always felt like Sky definitely wanted a relationship with Victor, but this wasn't about Victor now realizing, like, oh, I could have had a girlfriend. It was Victor realizing that he caused an innocent life to die. He, he lost sight of what his goal was, which was to help the innocent and the weak and the helpless. And instead of helping, he killed someone along those lines. Just something to remember. Mm-hmm. Like that seems to be what I get, at least I get across from that scene. It's not a romance, like lost romance sadness. It is lost person sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Victor tr- seems to like try to destroy the hex scroll, which is looking really effed up right at this point. That hex scroll looks nasty. Oh, oh yeah, it's gross. I love it. <laughs> Um, Same. And Victor tries, uh, but he stops. He stops himself from destroying the Hexcore. He just can't bring himself to it, which makes sense. The Hexcore is kind of his life's work at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, also, so to add to the creep factor, the uh, while he's approaching it to destroy it, uh, it starts like shaking <laughs> like a scared dog. Yeah, uh, but then uh, after Victor puts down this chair that he was going to smash the Hexcore with, uh, the Hexcore is not happy that that Victor tried to destroy it, or at least thought about it, and so it um it turns off his leg. Like, straight just shocks him and, and knocks him out, essentially. Yeah, so, again. So, uh, that Hexcore is, um, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> also, Victor has to have a concussion at this point. Poor Victor. He's, he does not he's been knocked out, like, five times. <laughs> he's, just, he's not having a good time. At all. Um... And as all that's going down, we uh, we uh, see Mel uh, confront her mom, very rightfully so. Like, what the so, heck, so mom? So satisfying. <laughs> it is so good. She like smacks a wine goblet out of her hand, uh, tells the, the boy toy to get out of the room, which mm-hmm. he doesn't. He doesn't until Mel's mom says so. Which nice little power move kind of moment. Uh, but then they start talking, and Mel's is like. Why do you keep referring to me as daughter? You, like, disowned me years ago. Like, you have made it no... Like, you have made it very clear you hate me, essentially. And the mom's like, I never hated you. You made me weak. And so I had to get rid of you because I couldn't stand the look in your eyes that you gave me whenever I had to do what was necessary to protect our family. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that was right in my heart. <laughs> Yikes. And Mel kind of collapses at that. Like she sits down, she's like, "Oh," and then Mel's this, and then Mel's mom also tells her that her bro- like uh, Chief told us previously that her brother's dead, and um, because her brother crossed a far too powerful man, which that could be on a lot of characters in Noxus. It's lots of theories on who that could be. My my bets on Swain. We'll see. Um, and uh, Mel's just and Mel's mom's just like. Look, we need those weapons that uh, Jace has now made and the rest of the could continue making to protect our family from this other Noxian uh, figure who could ruin us and destroy us and kill us. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, and then she says this great line where she says, 
let the war continue, let it proceed, and you can rejoin the family. And be in Noxus again. And it's framed bright with Mel's mom having her hand on Mel's shoulder, squared up, looking very domineering. And then we see the painting of Noxus in the background, just mm, so good. And, oh, and no, what makes it even better, we don't just see the um, painting of Noxus in the background, we see them standing on her mother's ship. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's also true. It, oh, it's so good. Just so, so, so good. Ah, that's a great scene. And, um, then, um, well, things are just going wrong all over the place, uh, because I actually forgot to mention this in episode, at the end of episode eight, uh, Caitlyn gets kidnapped by Jinx. Yeah, I was wondering if you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, she gets kidnapped by Jinx after having this great shower, like, shower scene where she can't not forget about Vi. It is incredibly romantic. Like, Bestie, is it straight best friend behavior to replay the moment your be- your crush left you? <laughs> yeah, it's like anyone who is still thinking like, oh, they're just friends. Like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> That's such a friend thing to do, I guess. Uh, such a good moment. Historians will say. <laughs> Historians will say. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's a great thing because as she like gets out of the shower, like as the um, the humidity begins to die down, we see the monkey face that Jinx uses as her call sign in the mirror, and then we see Jinx behind Caitlyn as Caitlyn realizes that's the monkey symbol. That's uh, so good. And then, uh, so. Remembering that detail, we then get back to uh, Silco still trying to like figure out like what to do uh, about the whole like he doesn't know where Jinx is at the moment. Uh, Savika basically told Silk um, um, like he's trying to he doesn't know where, where Jinx could be anymore because Jinx had disappeared at the end of the operation on her. Silk like woke up and she was gone, so he has no idea where she is. And so now he's just like. Wondering where Jinx is. And so he's like sitting in his office and be like, uh, I have so many headaches. I had the whole thing. My shimmer factory got destroyed. Now I don't know where Jinx is. What do? What do I do? And then, um, Finn and the other chem baron, uh, name, her name is Remy. Uh, she, uh, walks in with Savika. And then Savika pulls out the chair for Finn and even what dusts it off. And then she stands behind Silco very ominously. And Silk was just like, so it's treason then. <laughs> yeah. And Finn's like, yeah, dude, you messed up. You, you have no, you have no idea where G- your daughter is. Your daughter's on the loose. You have no idea where she is. Some control you have over her. Like, you can't do anything you promise anymore. You're just an old man. It's time to replace you, essentially, with me, the young, the young hipster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Savika, as it's happening, her arm blade is, like, slowly coming out. And Suko gives this great speech about loyalty. Oh, it's so good. About how, in the darkest times, in the old times, before people like Finn existed, and it was just, like, like the old time was, like, Silco and Vander, before Vander died, remembered. Loyalty was everything. That's all they had was loyalty. And he says, like, and I still believe in loyalty. And then Savika swings the arm blade, and Silk was alive. 
She cut through his chair and his glass and into Finn's head. Actually, she did not cut through his chair. I believe it did, or close to it. Nope. I literally just rewatched that episode. She did not cut through his chair. Fine, then. She did not <laughs> cut through his chair. She did cut through his glass and into Finn's uh, chin, essentially. Take, like, straight up through his head. And yes. Uh, because... Uh, well, through his throat as well, so, yeah. Either yeah. way, he is, he is, he's killed. And we see a blood splatter on Remy, and Remy's just like, Oh! <laughs> Finn's dead. <laughs> it's great. And we even see that Silco is, like, heavily breathing. He actually thought Savika was going to kill him. Yeah, like, he, this man is having a full, like, panic attack. <laughs> he's like, that was way too close for comfort. <laughs> <laughs> but, as Finn is now dead, uh, Remy is just like, ah... And Silco slowly collects himself, and then he says this great lie. This is so brutal. He's just like... Mm, I love this. Where he just goes, I would have had your son killed for this, but I guess we're ahead on that account. <laughs> oh, so good. And he just tells Remy to get out. And I was like, that's so brutal. <laughs> that's so good. And then he uh, straight up asks Savika, like, were you tempted? And Savika's like, nah, not for, not for like a little... Staying on the ground like Finn. You kidding me? I... Like, look who you're talking to. Of course not Finn. Finn's gross. But then she... But then she looks at him and says, But he won't be the last. Mm-hmm. And it's in that moment that Silco realizes that he does not have long to get things back under control. Like, that is a low-key threat if I've ever heard one. Like, just because I didn't betray you now doesn't mean I won't. So, uh, get your garbage together. Get get your house in order, Silco. I helped you get in power. I can easily take you out. Um, and so, Silco, as he's considering this, looks at a note he has from Jace. And, um, Jace and Silco, um, talk. And it's a great scene of Jace and Silco talking. Um, a little bit before this, we do see, uh, Jace, um find Victor, uh, Victor tossing, uh, Skye's ashes into, um, a waterway that Sky and Victor used to play at. Mm. We saw that in Victor's backstory. Um, and, um, and then Victor, uh, kind of mimics the scene where Jace tried to kill himself in Act 1. Like, he's kind of goes towards the edge, it looks like he's about to commit suicide. And then, of course, in the exact same way Victor said, said Jace comes in and says, Am I interrupting? And Victor stops. And they talk. And they had this great moment where they basically realized that they they messed up. They lost track of what they meant to do. They lost track of everything. Mm-hmm. And Victor has this great moment where he says you have to how you have to destroy it. And Jace thinks he's talking about his hammer. And Jace actually agrees, like, yeah, I, I need to. And then Victor says, no, the hex core. You have to destroy the hex core. I can't do it, but you need to. So they both realize they have done terrible... They have allowed things to, like, corrupt them from their their pure goals. And that they need to be destroyed. Like, their lives work. Jace's hammer, Victor's hex core, they have to be destroyed. They are, have gone so far off the deep end from what they meant to do. And then Victor has this great line where... Uh, I think I even have it memorized, where he literally says, 
in um and oh god like in the, like it's like in the journey or in the goal to to do good uh we to do great we fail to do no good. no i i know it yeah um in the pursuit of greatness we fail yeah, to do that's good the line. and that line's so good oh it's such a great oh. encapsulation of jason victor's story up to this point like so good the the folly of scientists and researchers who who forget to look at the bigger picture essentially like oh, so good uh well that's going mm. down uh heimerdinger had gotten echo back to the firelights and uh, we get kind of like a happy thing where Echo is reading out with the firelights and Heimerdinger sees their giant tree they have in their little home. And he's like, you did all this in your short lifespan? What the heck? And Echo's just like, yeah, like when you have to survive, you'll do anything. You'll, you'll find a way. And Heimerdinger's just in awe of what they've accomplished. And he makes this great line where he's, like, critiquing, like, why are you flying around on these hoverboards? Like, they're so unsafe. Couldn't you do, like, a safer design? And Echo's just like, you you can't give people what they need to survive. You have to give them what they need to live. Mm-hmm. Such a great... So there's so many good lines in this episode. It's so, so good. Honestly, best episode. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's the best episode of the series, in my opinion. And... um. And then we get the moment of the Firelight celebrating Echo's return. It's such a great moment. Heimiger's eyes are so filled with awe. It's beautiful. Mm. And then... Oh, boy. And then we get to... Vi deciding she is done with everything. As well as Silco realizing that he is in the possible in the possible situation. Because... After Jace had this whole conversation with Victor and uh, Silco had his whole deal going on with Savika and Finn, uh, they meet up because the letter that uh, Silco had got had gotten is from Jace, basically being like, "Hey, let's meet up and talk. We don't want war. War is the last thing either of us at one at this point." Like Silco tries to like kind of bolster like. Um, kind of, like, put on a brave front. But Jace's point-blank says it's like... Because he kind of calls Jace out on, like, you attack one of my facilities and then you ask for parlay. Like, that shows, like, a weak spine. Like, that shows you're not willing to go as far as you say you could. And then Jace's like, hmm. yeah, because I saw what it what would happen and you wouldn't stand a chance. You should not want this any more than I do. Like, it's such a point-blank moment of Jay saying, like, you saw the destruction we did with Hextech, and you do you want that war? Do you want us to fight? Do you really want that? And Silco's like, not really. And so Silco give, and so they basically go down, like, okay, so what do we need to do for us to not go into full-out war between the Undercity and Piltover? And Silco gives his demands. He wants an independent Undercity. He wants the Nation of Zon. Mm-hmm. The thing he has wanted since Act 1. And the thing that a lot of the Undercity has wanted since Act 1. Like, this is the dream. This is the goal. This is what everyone's been wanting. And Jace is like, that's insane. And and Silk is like, that's, that's what it would cost. And he's like, okay, on one condition, give us Jinx. 
And Silkle immediately is just like, uh, it's, it's, Jinx is not at fault. This is all on me. I'm the leader. And Jace points out, it's like, trust me, I would love to have you behind bars. But, uh, I, I can't make a deal with a snake and cut off its head. Mm-hmm. Which, great line again. And, uh, so, give me Jinx, and I'll give you your Nation of Zon. The ultimate dilemma for Silco. And then we get this great scene. Back to the quote I had at the beginning of part one of this Arcane Overview. I had a quote play from the show where Silco is talking to a statue of Vander as he realizes he now understands why Vander made the decisions he made all those years ago. When you have a kid, it changes everything. When you become a father, it changes everything. One of the core mm-hmm. things in the show is fatherhood and how it affects you. It, it, it's literally one of the core themes of the show. Because Silco criticized Vander for being a father. But now Silco's a dad. And he now realizes he's not sure what to do. Like, the dream is there. The dream of Zahn is there. He just has to give over Jinx. As he puts it, he just ha- all he'd lose is problems. Mm-hmm. And he's, just, he's at a loss for what to do. And Jinx overhears him saying all of that. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> uh, so, not great for Silco. And then we get um, Vi needing to blow off steam. She's upset because now she doesn't have the backing of Jace or anything to help her take down Silco. She feels at a loss of what to do. And so she decides, you know what helps me helps me feel better? Beat up Sika, Savika. <laughs> Beating up Savika makes me feel better. And so <laughs> she uh, goes to the last drop and confronts Savika. And then... Uh... With the background music being a freaking old western style song, like country song, Savika and Vi brawl. And it is glorious. <laughs> and it is. Oh, the I music love it. is it's banging. Vi and Savika are going at it. They seem. Like, Vi seems to have the advantage at first. Uh, she even takes a moment to pause and drink a, a full glass of, like, whiskey or something, and then throws the glass at Savika, which is so good. Mm-hmm. And then they keep brawling, and then Savika pulls out the arm blade, and that arm blade's scary. And she starts swinging it all over the place. She then disables one of Vi's gauntlets, and then puts Vi on the ground. And it's like, oh no, what's going to happen now? Vi is down the gauntlet, Savika is replacing her shimmer charges she's going to be at full power again what will vi do and then as vi's on on the ground like face on the ground just beaten up and bloody and so done vander's there this great shot of the ghost of vander standing over her with his bar towel over his shoulder because that was who vander was to to vi her, her father. Not not the hound of, of the lanes. Not this great revolutionary who, turn, who turned his back on, on violence. Vander's her, her dad. 
and he does the most bad thing even in this moment where he's gone. And that is, he's like, they, he encourages Vi, he tells Vi, like, yeah, you're going to get put on your butt all the time. This sucks. It's hurt. I know you're in pain. You're still blocking with your face. Like, but people still <laughs> need you. So what you going to do? And Vi gets onto her feet, takes up a boxing position, and Vandra says, that's my girl. And I'm crying, and you're crying, everyone's crying. <laughs> um, yeah, and then it's just a mess. They continue brawling. <laughs> they freaking turn off the power with, with like the impact of their attacks as like their the conflict of chemtech and hextech causes sh- like an EMP blast to go off. They're fighting in the dark, and then Asavika looks like she's going to cut down and try and take her out. Vi's gauntlets make a shield referencing the passive she has in game where she gets a shield when she attacks. And ah, it's so good. And then she uses that and she uses that it moment very good. to break Savika's robot arm and then punches her into the wall so hard into the jukebox and takes her out. She doesn't just she doesn't just break yeah, the just arm, rips she rips it it's off. It's so good. <laughs> And I won! Like, she's, she's blown up her steam, she's still crying, though, she's screaming, and she's like, ah! And then as she's just, like, taking a breath, um, she moves a bit, and we see Jinx behind her. And then Jinx says, bravo, mm-hmm. sis, and knocks her out. Oh, boy. And now we get to oh boy. the ultimate scene of the show. The scene that in my opinion, is the best sequence of scenes and moments of the entire series, bar none. The party scene. Alright, so before we get to the party scene, because I know you in particular have a lot to say about this, I'm, we're going to say, as this party scene is being set up, Jace approaches the council with the, comp- with the deal. About giving Zon full independence. And Victor and he even has Victor be the one to deliver it because Victor is someone from the Undercity. And so Victor delivers the ultimatum, which is we will give return to Gemstone, we will turn over Jinx, at least from what Jace did. Which by the way, Jace may just deal without the council's know how, by the way. Which they're all just like, that's so yeah. that's so out of protocol. And and Jace is like, I don't care what any of you think anymore, you all suck. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but then he also says, like, the only person here I respect is Mel. Because Mel at least has a backbone. <laughs> and actually, yeah. tr- and Mel's, and always, Mel's right. always right. And Mel's just like. <laughs> he yeah, does specifically like, say that. Uh, what do, do I do? <laughs> um, and Victor reveals the demand for, for the independent nation of Zon. And the council erupts. Into like what no and slow motion, super dramatic. It's so great. Papers flying everywhere. The robot looking counselor being like, "This paper is lame." It's so good. It, it's such a great, it's it's such a perfectly over dramatic scene. And Victor and Jace being like, "Okay, now what?" Like the council's in uproar. What do we do? And then we cut to that. And, and meanwhile, meanwhile, as that's going down, nope, nope, already seen. I actually wanted to go back to 
what else is happening Extra during that ahead. scene. <laughs> um, we see Mel look at her hand, and she's got a ring, that, uh, like a signet ring, and she's staring at it, wondering what the yeah, hell to do. Yeah, on the ring is the crest of her family. It's the Madara crest. Yeah. And uh, then we get to the party scene. Um, I know you have a lot to say about this scene, so I'm going to leave it, give it to you fully. Like, Describe this scene and what your thoughts are on it. Okay, so I actually don't really remember how okay. the scene starts. Well, <laughs> as the scene starts, we get by by herself in darkness. Uh, they're they're back in the the original factory that is that um, Vander was captured in at the end of Act One, and where you know the one yeah, powder, the one powder blew, up. blew up and it's still blowing up, by the way. Uh, that thing that never got fixed because that place is cursed. Which fair enough. Yeah. And they have this great conversation where Jinx, Larry Aspy is like, like basically having a back and forth of like, you were going to leave me for for that enforcer, and I was like, I would never leave you. You're still my sister. It's lots of drama, and then we get this great moment where Jinx says and the line, they're... "Are we still are, are we still sisters?" And Vi says, "Nothing would ever change that." Mm-hmm. And it's really great because, like, during that whole back and forth, they're going on, like, they're both talking about, like, it was the thought of you that kept me from losing my fucking mind. <laughs> and it's just really sweet. And, yeah, showing ah! that Jinx never, like, resented Vi. Like, she never, like, like, viewed, like hated Vi. No matter how much Silka said, like, Vi, Vi is just like my brother Vander. She sucks. Uh, Jinx never believed that. Yeah, and, like, Jinx flat out says, like, she says that, like, because Vi apologizes for leaving, and Jinx says, oh, you never left, I still, like, heard you, and saw you everywhere, it was like, you were still with me, and she literally says, that's the only reason I'm still alive. Yeah, this, ah, so good. And then, uh, and then as all is going down, we see, like, the one little light source in the room slowly winding down. And by the way, that light source is this little toy that Powder originally saw in the in Jace's apartment in, back in episode one of mm-hmm. Act One. So nice little callback to that as well. Like a, a childhood thing, a childhood little bobble. Just so good. And then Jinx mm-hmm. shows up with a lighter in hand, scaring the bejeebus out of Vi. And, Valid. Um, then she begins turning Vi around towards a table, and then she throws the lighter, lights up the candles, and we have a dinner party. <laughs> With Vi on one end and Silco at the other. And in between are the the gloves and pipe of Vander and the um, the very creepy puppets of Milo and Clagger. As well mm-hmm. as uh, another seat with Vi's um, uh, toy, like her toy bunny in it, her stuffed bunny. And then um, two chairs that have no one sitting in them right now, or no one's pos- positioned yep. in them yet. And an empty space. Yeah, and another empty space, yes. But those two chairs <laughs> are the most important things because one has like crow feathers on it and looks kind of eerie, and it says Jinx. And then the other one looks very childlike and even has all this childlike uh, accoutrement in front of it. And it says powder. 
Mm-hmm. And, oh my god. Uh, okay, okay. We'll start at the beginning. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jinx has a little bit of a back and forth with Vi during, well, while we're setting up the scene. Um, and uh, she starts talking about, like, oh, still go fuck me up. <laughs> um, then she stands up and says, oh, we're missing someone. Referencing the empty space at the table with no chair in it. Um, and she walks off screen and comes back with a little silver serving dish. And she, and she says to Vi, I paid your girlfriend a visit. Which, first of all, Jinx knows what's up. <laughs> um, and second of all, remember how she, you know, broke into Caitlyn's house after she took a shower. Um, and, and it's this even better is... because she's carrying the silver platter using Vi's gauntlets, too. Oh, yes, she is. And like, it's, not just Vi's... <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not just that. Um, she also, like, put her own graffiti on the gauntlets. <laughs> Um, it's really good. Uh, so then she drops it on the table, and meanwhile, Vi is freaking the fuck out. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, it's just like, what happened? What did you do? And, um, Jinx, Jinx puts her fingers on the lid of the tray and says, oh, I made her a snack. <laughs> um, and Vi is obviously thinking that uh, she might have killed Caitlyn and is about to reveal her severed head. Um, and at, like as Jinx lifts the cover off the tray, it flashes to an image of Caitlyn in Vi's mind. And this is a part that I really wanted to talk about because it's so good. Um, it's a flashback to when they were laying in Caitlyn's bed together. Um, and it's just by looking at Caitlyn's face, like that's all we see in frame is Caitlyn's face, and it's oh! okay, okay. Yeah, because that was that was the moment, like when they're in bed together. That was the moment where Vi becomes very, very vulnerable and talks about um, the childhood games she played with Caitlyn, where she were or not with Caitlyn with Jinx as powder, mm-hmm. uh, and where they would pretend to be monsters and. When uh, Vi accidentally would scare uh, Powder in the game, mm-hmm. she would then scare all the monsters away. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she says, and then a real monster showed up, and I wasn't there. Yep. And, and it's mm, very my heart breaks in two, but that's not all. In that flash where we see Caitlyn's face from Vi's perspective, it is softer. It is not how Caitlyn actually looks. It is how Vi envisions Caitlyn. It is how she sees Caitlyn. Soft, beautiful, tough, but vulnerable. Love. It is love, gay rights. Arcane said gay rights. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, that's something that's been on my mind for, since the day I saw that scene. <laughs> um, but um, as Vi flashes back to that, she screams, no, because she thinks her girlfriend's fucking dead. Um, and Jinx just laughs and goes, I'm not that crazy. What the heck? <laughs> um, and under the serving tray is a cupcake because, you know, that's Vi's nickname for Caitlyn. <laughs> um, and on top of the cupcake is the gemstone. Yes. On top of it is the hex gemstone. And then... Thing this entire situation has been building towards. Yep. And then, uh... 
Jinx throws the lid of the serving platter and then goes off and wheels in Caitlyn, who is in a wheelchair, bound and gagged, just like Silco is. Um, well, and she gets a smile on her mask. Yeah, she does. It's it's funny. Um, like, Jinx puts so much effort into this. <laughs> um, but, and then um, uh, Jinx hands Vi her gun. Not her minigun, her other gun, her pistol. Um, yeah, uh, it's called the Zap Cannons. Yeah, Zap Cannon. Um, and keep in mind, Vi is still tied up and can barely use her hands. <laughs> but she just drops the gun in her lap. And she says, okay. She has just enough mobility to like, lift the gun. Yeah, basically. Um, and she motions to the chairs that say Jinx and Powder and says, where I sit is up to you. Um... If you kill Caitlyn, you can have Powder back. <laughs> or as she says, make her go away. She says make her go away, but she means kill. <laughs> um, yeah, Get rid of her and you can have me back. You can have your sister back. We can go back to the way things were. And Vi immediately says, no, I cannot do that. <laughs> um, and then, like, Jinx grabs the gun and, and like, points it at Caitlyn's head. Uh, Vi starts trying to talk her down and is like, look, Powder, if we, like, we can forget all of this and just run away somewhere, put everything behind us. It'll be just us, no Silco, no Caitlyn, nothing. And then, at this point, Silco starts trying to speak. Um, and Very fervently. Very fervently. He is very upset. Yes. And um, then, so Jinx just, like, kind of rolls her eyes and is just like, what do you want? And rips out his gag. And he and immediately, he t he looks at Vi and says, her name is Jinx. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> don't dead main, don't dead main my Yes. Name. Like, it's literally that kind of moment. <laughs> it, it literally is. Um, and so then, um, he goes on to be like, you know, like, Jinx, like, she doesn't love you. She'll be with you a day before she realizes you're not the same person. And then she'll get rid of you, just like always. Like, just like everyone else does, except me. It's you and me against the world. Father, daughter, love, yay. And Jinx is obviously having a mental breakdown at this point. Um, she's not sure who to believe. She's not. Anymore. She's not sure who to believe anymore. Um, and she's literally, like, fighting with herself. Um, and then uh, she shoots the uh, Milo facsimile. Um, yes, uh, because she starts hearing voices again, yeah. and she shoots mm -hmm. it. Um, like, be quiet! Yes. And, uh, uh, in the process, shattering a, a yes. glass. And uh, this was pointed out, like, in something I saw, like, Milo represents the, her negative inner voice, and Clacker is her positive one, but she pretty much only, only ever hears Milo most of the time, because <laughs> she's mm. not, she does not think good things about herself. <sighs> Which makes a lot of sense, since Milo was the one in the past who always was complaining about yes. her, and even called her Jinx mm -hmm. this time. So yeah, she shoots it, breaks the glass. Uh, while she's distracted, Caitlin uses the broken glass to cut her ropes. Uh, and then grabs the minigun, which is named Pow Pow, which breaks my fucking heart. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, points it at Jinx and is like, drop the gun, I'll shoot you. 
Uh, Vi's freaking out because she doesn't want her sister to die. Um, and then, like, Jinx moves to, like, shoot Caitlyn. Caitlyn gives her a few warning shots. Uh, and it's like, drop the gun! Um, and meanwhile, Vi is pleading with Caitlyn not to shoot her, because that's her sister. Um, and then Jinx, like, sets the gun down and is, like, clearly not fully cooperating. But, um... They're, they do this beautiful animation technique where, like, just in a in the span of, like, a few seconds, you see her shift from, like, looking all meek and, oh, don't shoot, to, I gotcha. <laughs> it's beautiful facial animation. Uh-huh. And then she, like, <laughs> roundhouse kicks Caitlyn in the face. <laughs> and remember, at this point, uh, uh, Jinx is still... Way hopped up yes. and shimmer from when uh, Singed. Uh, yes, expired. she is. So she's got like some superhuman strength and speed going on. And her eyes are yep. full purple now. Um, so yeah, she knocks Caitlyn out. Caitlyn desperately needs a hospital at this point. <laughs> um, and then, uh, meanwhile, the gun is next to Silka. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this whole time, uh, after knocking Caitlyn out, uh, basically Vi and Silco go back and forth trying to pull uh, Jinx or Powder to their side. Uh, yeah, something that really sad point that was like Vi is trying to remind Jinx of her past, being like, "Remember Milo, remember Clagger, remember Vander, remember me." And every time she says it, they immediately get overshadowed by monstrous forms showing how it's just re- it's re- it's tricking her. And re-trauma and bringing all that trauma, like dragging it, ripping it all mm-hmm. to the surface, and p- taking putting her into a straight up uh, panic yeah. attack essentially. Uh, and Silco is seeing Jinx freaking out, and she's like, "Stop hurting my daughter!" <laughs> yes, and what I love is um, like Vi is pink in this moment, and uh, Silco is blue. Uh, which are Jinx's signature colors. <laughs> um, and it's just, like, they're literally talking heads, like, going back and forth, trying to, like, get the situation resolved. While Jinx is in this state, Silco picks up her gun to shoot by, <laughs> to get her to stop hurting his daughter. <laughs> um, and he, like, Jinx hears, like, here's the... Here's the gun cock, essentially. Yeah, he, she hears the gun cock. Yeah. Thank you, I couldn't think of the word. Um, yeah, she hears the gun cock immediately. Um, like, uh, instincts take over. She takes her minigun and just shoots in the direction that it always. And then we see birds fly through the air. And... and it all goes quiet. Yes. And a chair turns with bullet holes in it. Revealing... Mm-hmm. Who she shot. And it's Silco. Who is still alive, but barely. quickly dying. And, yes, quickly dying. Uh, He drops his gun. We see that he did get a shot off, but it missed. Uh, We see that um, there's a bullet hole in Vi's chair right above her shoulder. And, like, there's smoke coming off her jacket. Um, Which I actually missed when I watched it. Um... But yeah, we see that he did fire, he just missed. And then Jinx immediately drops her gun. 
Yeah, probably because he got shot. Um, that'll really mess up your aim. <laughs> um, yeah, Jinx freaks out, drops the gun, runs over to Silco, crying, just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, and in one of the most heartbreaking moments of this entire show, like the part that almost broke me, um, uh, Silco looks her in the eye, looks her in the eyes, because she's on the ground crying at this point, because um, she just killed her dad. Um, he says, I never would have given you to them, not for anything. And then, like, she's like, starts seriously crying at that point, and he says, don't cry, you're perfect. And then he dies. Such, ah, oh, such a great scene. And then, it uh, goes from that to the moment that, ah, oh, this moment's so good, where Jinx, like, fully like drained like she has no she has nothing left um for for now like, she has nothing she left kind for of now. dissociates yeah. after that. she uh walks over yeah like she really just kind of shuts yeah, off she walks over vi's like still trying to talk to her she's not listening and she looks at the jinx chair yep and she sits in it and then yep in a three-part shot um and so she... good it's very good. And uh, after she sits down, like, she goes on to say, like, you know, Silco thought he made Jinx. Um, but it was actually you, Vi, that made her. Um, and uh, it's really good. And then um, she... I don't think she says that like, here. I think she said that earlier before the, the reveal the table. Oh, yeah. did she? Did she? Okay. I thought she said uh, it. No, she, in, but in this moment, way. she says the line of, um... Yeah, I know what she yeah. says. Um, I just thought she said no. both. But yeah, she says, like, I thought you could love me like you used to. Even though I'm different. But you changed, too. Yeah, even though I'm different. But, you di but you're different, too. So here's to the and new us. Here's to the new us. And the <sighs> song that... So good, one of the best songs in the entire show. Actually, probably the best song in the entire show. Uh, what could in the name of the episode? Yeah, what could have been begins to play. Jinx slowly gets up, puts the gemstone in her rocket launcher jawbones, and walks out to the end of the pier, and um, looks up to Piltover, particularly to the council chambers. And as that's happening, we cut to the council chambers and. Mel takes off the Madarda ring and lifts her hand, voting in favor of giving the Undercity independence. Ugh. And then, as this is happening, Jinx screams in frustration. And in, in anguish, her mind... Anger she, and everything. Just, just all the emotions. Every, every emotion she's ever felt in her entire life. Um, and in her mind, she hears what, uh, some words that Silco imparted on her when they first met. <laughs> we will um, show them all. Show them, yes. As, and then she fires Jawbone. She fires the, her super mega death rocket, as it is called in game. Her literal yes. ultimate ability. And it right for the council chambers. And it screams across the sky, going over a blood red moon, because of course it is. And, and at 
<sighs> at this point, Caitlin is back up. She's gotten Vi out of the chair. And Caitlin immediately figures out what's happening and starts breaking down. <laughs> and Vi is just dead inside at this point. She is just, Honestly, yeah. She's so distraught. She And we keep cutting back and forth between... Caitlyn's reaction, we see her mom raising her hand, voting in favor of the of the plan. We see the rockets screaming across the sky, more people raising their hands, and then we realize the vote has passed. They are it going is to on independence. It is a unanimous vote. And then the rocket reaches its final stage. Mel seems to be the only one to hear it because it's flying behind her where she's sitting. Mm -hmm. See her accoutrement, like her golden accoutrement, kind of light up. It's a bit unclear, like, what's going on there. My theory is it's just the light reflecting off of it from the rocket. Um, some people say it could be weird magical goo in her armor. It's We just don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, because um, we don't find out here. Because as the rocket hits the glass of the window into the council chamber... It shatters, showing the face of the rock in full view, and then it cuts to the credits. Yep. And that is the end of Arcane. On excuse the me, biggest effing cliffhanger ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excuse me a moment while I just... <laughs> like, we literally end on seeing Heimerdinger and Echo working together, maybe like making his time travel device, the Z-Drive. We see the council chamber with, with Jace and Victor still in there as this rocket is flying towards it. We don't know what's going to happen to the council now. We don't know what's going to happen with the um, with the Kembaron situation because we see Savika um, trying to smoke a, a cigarette by herself because she only has one arm now. Mm -hmm. And the, we see it uh, literally... Uh, framing the empty chair where Silco used to sit, and just so many open questions now. And we don't know the answers yet, but we will. <laughs> eventually. <I'm> so excited. <laughs> we will, eventually. Yes. Probably two years from now. Yeah, we do know that they are in production. Yeah. For season two. Production. Yes. And, okay. Before we go any further with any of our final thoughts and a full retrospective of the show and what and where we hope it goes, we're going to take a quick break, um, and then we'll be right back. If you want to help spread the show or simply get more content, you can follow the official Twitter, at League of Lore 2, for updates on the podcast and other lore tidbits, as well as a rate or follow the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. You can also follow my Twitch account, twitch.tv slash Soldiers, where I stream myself playing League of Legends and other games and discuss the lore and gameplay of those properties. And I just want to say once again, thank you all so, so much for all the, uh, the love and support you've shown this past, like, last year and as we've been making these episodes. You have really shown your support and I just appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Just... Thank you all so, so much. And I just want to get that across fully and completely. And also to let you all know that it won't be for a little while, but in the future, I'm going to be teaming up with another League of Legends lore podcast for a special episode. Um, and it is going to be with um, Loreheads. The, 
League of Loreheads. Like, yes. Uh, great podcast. They were talking about the champions in chronological order. Uh, or not chronological order, in alphabetical order. And they're a great show. Definitely give them a listen. And we'll be having them on as guests to talk about Jarvan the Fourth when we get to him in our Demacia coverage as we continue it after the after we're done with Arcane. So, with that all said, and that exciting news, let's get back to the show. So, what are your thoughts about Arcane as a whole? I want to get your thoughts first. A masterpiece. Yeah. Just, that's it. <laughs> a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I have said this... Um, I have said this uh, to other people, and I'll say it again. I think is the best show that came out last year, bar none. Um, yes, I am including non-animated shows like Squid Game. Squid Game is a fantastic show, by the way. Give it a watch if you haven't. But I think Arcane is even better than Squid Game. It is so good. Its themes are on point. Its writing is so strong. The music is beyond anything I've ever heard in the show before. The music is so good. And the animation and art style are to die for. It is some of the most gorgeous animation I have ever seen. Show of the decade. I'm calling it now. Uh, I would agree. It's definitely up there for me. It's one of my favorite shows in the past decade. Uh, like, just of all shows. It is so, so good. This show had no right being this good when it's a show about a video game, which we know are infamous And for yet it bad. had every right. <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it not only succeeded, it blew all other previous shows that have been about video games out of the water. Like, the only show I can think of that comes close is Castlevania. And that's it. And Castlevania is, yeah. a, is a masterpiece as well. So, keep that in mind. Like, this show is even better than another masterpiece of a show. Like, Oh, it's so good. It's so phenomenally good. Um, mm. I cannot wait to see what they do with it. Um, there's so much that they could do. We still have many other uh, Zahn and Piltover champions that they could explore, such as Camille, Warwick, Urgot, um, uh, Seraphine, if they really wanted to go that direction, Oriana, Blitzcrank. Uh, and many, many more, like Ezreal, yeah, Ezreal, and a few others that you could cover as well, as well as as many other characters they could introduce that we know are in Piltover and Zon, um, such as uh, some several chem barons we've heard about that could be very interesting, like there's this plant-based chem baron that we know of in the legal in the Legends of Runeterra card game. There's so many directions they could take this, and I'm excited to see where they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you feel like you're looking forward to, for the show to do in the future? I want my girl back. <laughs> I don't. I don't care about anything else. I want more Jinx. And we know there's going to be more Jinx. Like we've already gotten a little teaser, and we know Jinx is for sure returning, as well as Vi and Caitlyn. And Warwick is definitely going to be in the next uh, season because we hear Warwick's theme in the teaser. So we know Warwick is on the way, and there are so many things about Warwick that we can talk about. Like, the fact that Warwick is, uh, likely could be Vander. Um, yes. Because we know... <laughs> that is a, yeah, there's a lot... I'm of, on board with that. Yes, because we know that Singed uh, is, the, is the one responsible for the creation of Warwick. And we even see in that last little sequence uh, um, at the end of the episode 9 
we see uh we see um singe looking at a locket which uh the picture in the locket looks a lot like oriana and that that's obviously supposed to be uh, singe's daughter because singe mentions mm-hmm. she had a daughter too when he's talking to silco so yep. before he knocks silco out and before he knocks silco out <laughs> and um so it's like did is that or is singe oriana's father and then uh above in the rafters we see a wolf-like shape which is likely warwick um, which, which I want to point out, that uh, that figure had uh, Vander's beard. Ooh, I I didn't even notice that. If that's true, mm-hmm. like, that's so good. And we also know, obviously, that Vander's been called the Hound of the Lanes like a few times. So, like, it's kind of seems to be heading in that direction that Vander is for sure Warwick, which I am all in favor of because Warwick is a very fascinating character, mm. and if. That's Vander. That would lead to so much drama with Vi and Jinx, and I, I would eat it up. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's it's gonna be great. I've already gotten everything I wanted out of this show, and it, uh, it focused on Jinx and Vi and Caitlyn and all of them. Like once season two comes out, obviously, then I'll be satisfied. I want nothing more from it. It can do what it wants. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the direction they take this show from here. Like, obviously, we still have a lot of things um, that could still be explored. Like, Vi it still has not become an enforcer yet, uh, because we know she's the Piltover enforcer. So mm-hmm. it has not happened yet. Uh, Caitlyn's not the sheriff yet, so that's still on the road. Uh, and Jace and Victor are not in their final forms yet. Like, Victor is supposed to become, like, a cyborg man, and that's not happened yet. Uh, and Jace is supposed to be the full-on leader of Piltover, which he basically is, but... It seems to be implied that he's totally going to be that, yep. uh, like, totality. Because um, uh, the council's probably going to be uh, gone. So we'll see how that goes. And, like I said, we still got Singe just hanging around. So can't wait to see what Singe is going to do. We now know Noxus has been taking an interest in Piltover. So that's going to lead to places. And um, then we got all the other champions that could show up. Like, we have Camille, the penultimate anti-Zon, anti-Undercity, uh, upholder of the rights of the elite in her mind, uh, trained assassin and leader of, of Clan Pharos, which we've heard mention of in the show, so we know they're in the show. So that's going to be spooky to get Miss uh, Miss Robot Knife Legs. Yeah, that's uh, going to be fun. I love her. I love her so much. She's one of my favorite characters in, in Piltover. Cause she is so cold and evil and i love her <laughs> um and we could also get some other stuff like if seraphine um despite her being a controversial figure in the league of legends community i would love to see her i would love to see her in the show because i think if they handle her properly she could be a really good character to add in because she is someone that's trying to heal the divide between um zon and piltover so i i hope i would like to see her done uh good like written well essentially unlike she currently is um we have ezreal who likely won't be a big deal but it'll be fun to see him uh we have blitzcrank which is a creation of victor so it'd be really cool to see blitzcrank get made and go around helping the people of zon that'd be really cool and just and also it would i think a perfect antagonist to uh add now that silk was gone is uh urgot because Urgot is, um, some people would call him an anarchist, but that's not exactly correct. But he, uh, no, actually, 
the best way of putting it, he's an anarcho-capitalist in the fact that he is all about the strong should rule the weak, and uh, only the strong should survive. Like, full-on anarcho-capitalist uh, Darwinist, like, full-on that, um, and he'd be the perfect villain to replace Silco. Because um, what happens when there's a power vacuum? Uh, lots of infighting. And who's great at taking uh, taking advantage of infighting? A man who just thinks the world should burn. Yep. So I would love to see Urgot. It'd be so good. He is so terrifying. He's like a whole cult around him. It'd be fantastic. I would love to see him. So, um, yeah, and also I would just love to see more Echo and Heimerdinger, especially Echo finally creating his uh, time device, his Z drive. That'd be so good. That'd be fun. So we'll see where all that goes in Arcane. Um, I think overall, I'd say Arcane is the best League of Legends thing ever that's ever been made, like bar none. And I think uh, that Riot should make Arcane the new canon. Agreed. Honestly, I really do. Part agree. Uh, as much as I love the the as love as much as I love the current state of the lore in Tilted Runs on, I think Arcane yes. is far better. Do it, you cowards. It's much more concise, much better in every way, and I would like to see them um, make that the new canon lore and just adjust all the other characters to, ma- to, fit, to fit it. Um, uh, any, uh, anyone like you would like to see to get more development besides drinks in the show? Misfortune, probably. Even if she's not even part of Piltover and stuff? <laughs> yeah, like, whenever we get there. I know nothing about Piltover and Zon. So basically, you, would, you want to see the show expand out beyond Piltover and Zon, like like yes. water and the other regions. Yes, if I mean, again, I'll be satisfied with just this. Um, right. But I mean, yeah, if they decide to do that, then I think they should focus on people like that, people like her. Okay, <laughs> I, fair enough. I don't know a lot of champions. <laughs> that's that's fair enough. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the ones that you do know or anything like in the show, like you would like to see get expanded more. Such mm. jinx. Um, nope, just okay. jinx. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. Well, with that, um, if you have any questions or thoughts, please send them in your reviews on your podcatcher of choice, or to loreofroomterra at gmail.com. You can also now send them through the Discord channel League of Lore on the Robots Radio Discord channel uh, um, on that server, the Robots Radio Network server. And uh, they'll be answered next episode. Uh, and next episode, we are going to be covering a, a very particular character that's pretty important. We are going to be talking about Lux. Ooh, and exciting. I cannot wait, yeah, I cannot wait to talk about that character and all the intricacies and drama and queer coding that she has. <laughs> all right, I'll see you all then. Peace.